In the popular culture, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The thinkers, who subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it does deserve, and the overthinkers, who don't. These are their discourses. Ooh, guys, it's a cold March day, isn't it? Whew, God, chilly out here, huh? Oh, yeah, you know, but if you keep moving your arms around, you keep the blood flowing, you know? It's a, you got to get out there and run again. We've all been cooped up in, inside for so long. Yeah, I, I know. That's that's true. Gosh, uh, thanks for coming out to Hell's Kitchen to meet me, guys. Mark and Pete, how are, how are you doing, Mark? Uh, oh, I've been better, you know, with this lockdown and this COVID and everything. It's great to have some some human contact here, Matt. Great to see you. Great to see you, Pete. Yeah. Hey, let's all bring it in. Let's all bring it in for a hug. Oh. Come on, hug over here. Oh. Okay, oh. I'm, I'm coming around. Oh. Wait, wait, hold on. You're pulling too hard. I'm what? tripping. I'm tripping on something. What's that? Oh, gosh. I'm falling oh, oh, over. Pete, I'm oh. so sorry. Pete, are you okay? What's that right there next to you lying on the ground? appears to be 32 years old, though appears to have died at the age of 22 in the year 2010. Appears to have seven surviving children, one of which, through some sort of strange paradox, is now older than it was when it started. Uh, we, we, For some reason, the body has resurfaced here today now with, uh, with markings on it indicating that it is somehow deeply enmeshed with today's hottest headlines which is a peculiar situation. What do you make of the body, boss? It's weird for it to uh, to have uh, just turned up here uh, outside a fifth-floor walk-up in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, that's a uh, that's an odd place, but I guess we all go back to the places where we used to live eventually. Fortunately, Harvey Firestein is here and seems to have witnessed the whole thing. Uh, Harvey, what is going on? Let me tell you guys, I was on my way to the theater because Broadway's back. Baby, Broadway's back, and yet I hear that uh, peak television is also kind of doing its thing, and I saw peak television go into the health kitchen walk-up, and then I heard some screams. I guess it's only peak television if you don't fall off. Okay, so for some reason, the episode didn't start when we did that. Is this not one of those episodes that starts when you deliver a punchy one-liner? Like, uh, like you might say this one's order was up. Yeah. Is that not, is that not this one? Oh, is this not, not, so how does this one start? Are we, how are, does this one start? Are we doing, are we doing, C- is that the corpse of CSI? NCIS? Oh no. Is it is, the corpse is, of, 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 uh, the corpse of NYPD blue? <laughs> is it the corpse of Ali McBeal? What is the, is no. The of- oh my God. It's the corpse of. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. I'm Matt Rather. I'm here with my good friends, Pete Fenzel. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. And Mark Lee. Hello, Mark. Hello, Matthew. Now, normally this is the part where I try to inject a little personality into the uh, into the hour, and I just uh, you know try to give a little color and warmth to what we're doing. But there's no color and there's no warmth because this is a procedural podcast today, <laughs> and all we're doing is the business of podcasting uh what what even is the 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 business of podcasting mark what what business are we even in this is the part where normally we would kind of um well we do a lot of you know shucking and jiving um kind of dancing around the topic uh and then we would eventually reveal the topic and maybe give a little bit of a synopsis of what we're doing 
Got it. So, so uh, this is the part where I uh, where I gaslight the audience. Yes, about, exactly. <laughs> about what? I think this is about NCIS or about CSI. Yeah, exactly. Wait, we did that. We did that in the. We did uh, already. Okay, in the ahead. cold open. Yeah, yeah. she's. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, hey, Law and Order is back, and we decided Woo! to. We decided to <laughs> remix. <laughs> we can, we can, we can remix. We Which thought is also uh, a dated joke. We th- <laughs> all from the same vintage, all from the yeah. you know round uh, round about the late the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, and we thought we'd uh, we thought we'd take a look and uh, measure ourselves. So yeah, use Law and Order as a as a yardstick to measure how far we've come. And I, well, I don't know, uh, Pete. Were you were you a big Law and Order fan back in back in the day? Are, are did you have these on in the background a lot, or were you not uh, not really into it and pre- pre- preferring I suppose, you know, Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda or <laughs> I, I don't know. Old girls, yeah. Warrior Princess. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah any, no, any um, of those. I think of Jerry Orbach primarily as a musical theater actor. <laughs> <laughs> you were the only American <laughs> who Known, known for playing, yeah, candlesticks. Exactly. Yes, exactly, yes, exactly. No, you know what? For for whatever reason, I never really got into Law & Order. I never – I've watched it maybe six or seven times over the years, but that's over – 32 years so it's not a lot of it uh and i don't really feel like i have a very conversant command of the law and order oeuvre or, or the law and order paradigm either of those two things and so i'm excited that law and order is back so that i can watch its reboot and thus be caught up on where the story has taken us so far so it appears to take place in a fictional place called new york city i think is that where is that new york city that? yeah exactly it's new york city um, and there, and nobody, no, none of the lawyers are sexy lawyers. Is apparently the case, right? It's all regular lawyers. Yeah, I mean, it was like sexy, to start lawyers, to start off with. It was like Sam Waterston, and and uh, you know, so they didn't. Well, I guess he was a looker back in the day. I suppose. Well, no, no, no. You you mis- you misunderstand me, Matt. Being a sexy lawyer has nothing to do with being sexy. It's okay. a profession. It's a different license. Oh, it's like being God. an osteopath. <laughs> you have to yeah, pass exactly. the sexy bar exam. Exactly. Like in L.A. law, it was primarily a sexy lawyer practice, right? <laughs> in the se- Right, exactly. It was this, in Ali McBeal, it was a sexy lawyer practice in, yeah, yeah in, a, in a lot of them. Um, Boston Legal, Denny Crane, right? Sure. It's, a, it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, you pass the sexy bar. A lot bar. of those guys should have lost their sexy lawyer licenses by then, but people get grandfathered into the profession, you know? <laughs> <That> grandpa- <laughs> wasn't William Shatner, uh, Shatner on Boston Legal? Wasn't uh, James Spader on Boston Legal? So- yeah, don't talk smack about Ultron. They were, He's a great lawyer. They were James Spader. They they were grandfathered in, all right. Yeah. And the, yeah, yeah. Uh, when you take the uh, when you take the sexy bar exam, the bar is vertical. <laughs> <laughs> well, law and order, the bar is horizontal and level from end to end, beginning to end, is what I have gathered from the reboot. Um, is this reboot characteristic of old law and orders? I want to say that just first and foremost. Well, I, mean, I mean, it's not even a reboot. They just kept doing it. Right. It's, not, it's like they just kept going. It's it's the show does not need to have an end or a beginning, I suppose. Yeah. It just kind of continues. No, it's true. It's kind of like, I mean, I don't know. The, the, this is I, I feel like it was sort of a little more in its in its complete refusal to be soapy at all. And it's like marked lack of serialization. Um, this the show was really kind of pathbreaking uh, at the time, e- even highly procedural shows like ER, right? Where, where the procedure sort of reveals character, even, even those that highly procedural ER was also highly serialized ER where like you got, you got the soap, 
uh, character arcs over the course of, you know, maybe 10 or 12 episodes because no one had that much screen time because it was, um, it was jumping around so much. This, this is like extremely, like extremely focused, you know, and extremely, uh, uh, spare. You know, it's, it's like, uh, it's like haiku or something. It's like any verse form where you have to cut the, the words down to the bare essentials in order to just convey, uh, the images that you want. And I, I guess to actually answer your question, is this like the old law and order? It, yes and no. It, it is the old law and order, but sort of anxiety stricken. I think mm-hmm. if they had just done the old law and order, I think that that would have been preferable. To at least the first, uh, to the first two episodes that we've seen so far of the new Law and Order. Um, and if they had reinvented Law and Order for a, you know, I don't know, a kind of different social, social milieu that is also a different kind of a televisual milieu, uh, I think that also would be preferable. But you kind well, of it, get, you it, kind it of wouldn't get have new- been Law and Order at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, here's my fair. thing. Like, this is my pithy, uh, pitch for the new show. It's like, what if, Old Law and Order, but with culture war. That's, sure, but that's that's the that's the new thing, is it not? Especially the first uh, um, the first episode. Sure. Okay. Season. So so spoilers for this, you know, for this show. Like the the first episode uh, is about Bill Cosby, and the second episode is about Elizabeth Holmes, uh, more or less. The the rip from the headlines. Um, the rip from but the headlines. But both of them are also um, about violence against women, rape. Uh, in, in their, in their so own, not, but very similar but kind of different ways. Okay, so but it's, just but so it's not know, SVU. It's not SVU because the wait. So so just so I know, before we go, as I know we're diving in, one more thing: Law and Order has a ton of spinoffs. We are talking about Ur Law and Order, right? Yes. The yes. core show, the OG. which has been rebooted. In case you didn't know, and is available to watch on either Hulu or Peacock or probably the waiting room of a hospital. Right? <laughs> it's it's in any of all of these places, and uh, it's free. On, I watched it for free on Peacock with a free account. So if you really want to watch it, it's there. I, my one question is: Are the Law and Order spinoffs also as, uh, I guess I would say, stripped bare of? Uh, incidental or extraneous character uh, information as this show is, where it's like this show is like the case is happening. The characters are the people in the case. The cops and the lawyers are there to do their jobs. And that is the extent to which it happens. Is that what SVU is like also? No. Or is SVU SVU is more like a soapy – uh, ish or sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's right. I mean, I, it's okay. sort of as, as befits the subject matter, like law, law and order treats everything as procedure. It almost treats everything as, as kind of transactional a little bit. Like in the murders mm-hmm. have this sort of mechanistic quality, which is like, you know, of course you, you, you were scared. He was going to like, uh, out your fraudulent business. So you murdered him, you know, and, yeah. uh, SVU is more, really more about, really less about crime and the judicial system and, and the criminal justice system, I should say, and more, more about, uh, more about the victims of crime and kind of the, the problems that, that being a victim of a crime sort of launches you into once you have to encounter the, the criminal justice system. So, you know, gotcha. they, they deal with, uh, what happens and, and because they deal with, I mean, SVU is there to be, um, uh, the uh, the um is there for for raping crimes of sexual assault and sexual violence and also for i think any crime having to do with children 
Right. Okay. So that's those are those are the special victims, victims of sexual assault or rape and victims of uh, and and any child who's the 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 victim of a crime. And so they're like they uh, are the I think primary investigators on uh, on rapes. And they are also like counseled in when it turns out there's a kid involved in in a crime. And so like there's a yeah, there's a lot of that. And then just a lot of sort of I, I, I don't know. I credit actually SV you for really like popularizing a lot of um you know uh a a lot of information uh about being the victim of a violent crime being a victim of a sexual assault that is not uh that that i don't know it seems like common knowledge to us but is um but was maybe controversial at the time you know that that uh rape victims don't come forward they don't want you know a lot a lot of the time or that you know as they are more comfortable disclosing the story can change and it's you know uh and and um they were i don't know really ahead of the curve in terms in terms of like putting that stuff into the the popular discourse but it's a lot more and then it's also a lot more character based it's it's based on on Riska Hagarte you know who who has been on the show for 20, 20 some odd years now law and order criminal intent uh well, okay okay i'm going to have to stop you right there <laughs> <laughs> no, we have to talk about this show wait, right wait, wait. law and order, order criminal law and order organized crime yeah okay. Okay. sorry go go finish finish, finish, finish uh, law and order trial I by you were joking. law and order trial by jury you know uh and law and order law and order la was the same but in la uh okay, okay. so it was you know fewer overcoats um that's yeah that's true how do they do it with all this without all the heavy wood i'm assuming much more of it is like lighter materials right <laughs> right yeah exactly like so what's like, law and order if not the, the steam coming out of a uh street grate in New York yeah, City, right? right? Uh, I mean, come on, the Lauder orange, to LA, yeah, the, like the, the like the orange chimney cones, the orange plastic chimney cones that you know line the line the the road construction projects. Uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent was a thing with Vincent D'Onofrio, and yes. it was about Vincent D'Onofrio being Vincent D'Onofrio. Ooh, uh, I love that. Yeah. you know what? That's what Hawkeye was about too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was one called Trial by Jury, which took place was actually like set in. Uh, set in the court, uh, environment. So it wasn't like out investigating crimes. It was really about like, Hey, can the clerk of the court schedule trials or something? <laughs> like, you know? Man, have you actually seen all of these? Yeah. Like, were you regular watchers of all the wow. no, You know, oh, what? I never did criminal intent. I, I just couldn't, I could, it didn't get its hooks into me. Um, but yeah, no, the, huh. the others, I, there was a time when I was really, I was really big procedural TV. I just liked it. I don't know. Something about the, um, something about it just appealed to me. Now I watch affable British men doing Sudokus. Is is it your Catholic upbringing that? Let's all be honest with each other right here. As all like you know, people who were raised up in in the Catholic faith, right? Yeah, um, I was. At I least was for me, part, part of the appeal for a Law and Order is its structure and how predictable it is, uh, right? Yeah, uh, you, know, I see what you know, as we joking about with the cold opening and everything at the beginning, right? You know, it just like very methodically moves from stage to stage. Now, some episodes of OG Law and Order will deviate from that, but by and large. You know, you go from from bit to bit and, you know, from the initial investigation to the um, arraignment and so on and so forth. Finally, to the jury verdict. Like, it's just like it, it hits all the parts there. Like, you know, like like you go to mass every Sunday and the priest does the thing and you sing the song and you get the wafer and everything like that. And like it is like it, it's soothing uh, is the word that comes to mind, which is a weird thing to think about when it comes to a crime show where like the first part of it is discovering a dead body, which, hey, speaking of Catholic mass and dead body. 
Got a little bit of that there too, huh? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think I think both things are concerned with, uh, you know, reveal not, not so much with articulating, but with claiming to reveal uh, a, a fundamental order that exists in the context of deeply flawed individual human beings, uh, which mean right, which means that you know, there's lots of that everybody has their pain and everybody has their their problems. I mean, I, I've watched a ton of Law and Order, but I've gone to church a bunch. <laughs> and my sense is that, like, watching this show now, it's like, okay, I can kind of see that because the world makes sense, but not for people. <laughs> it's like the people kind of don't really fit into the world, and that is the kind of pain uh, and and uh, confusion uh, that comes from uh, their kind of relation to the structure and laws around them and whether they. But anyway, we, we were you were saying, Mark, about how I think you were explaining how this is different. This new this is new or law and order. This isn't new criminal intent where Vincent D'Onofrio is trying to be somebody else other than Vincent D'Onofrio. This is like new OG law and order cops and lawyers. Uh-huh. And but it's got an anxiety associated with it because of its relationship to modern political discourse. Yep. Right? Yeah. And topics yeah. of interest. Right. Yeah. So okay. so let's just let's just like recap that for anyone okay. who hasn't seen, um, particularly the pilot episode, right? Where it's like very squarely um although like the the episode on its surface is about um, the murder of a Bill Cosby-esque um character, um the movie goes uh straight ahead with um uh, you know, all of the anxiety and, and questioning we as a American society have been doing over the role of law enforcement um, uh, and its treatment of minorities um, over the last few years, you know, particularly with the Black Lives Matter movement. Right. Um, you have this this episode like has a a, a of course, a, a black and white cop duo. Right. Who uh, set out to investigate the crimes at the beginning, um, a white cop who is like. Um, patronizing and heavy-handed towards uh, the, the other black characters in the in the episode. Um, you have the the white said white cop who uh, lies during the interrogation in order to coax out a a confession from the killer. Um, and you have um, you know all this hand wringing uh, over the this the fundamental role of the police that the characters speak to to, to the point where Sam Watterson in this like very like, cringy two on the nose moment um, says to uh, one of his fellow prosecutors um, as they are um, kind of concerned over police tactics as they were used uh, in, in the investigation of this crime <laughs> Sam Watterson says you know there are people who want to defund the police. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, what a crazy idea there, right? So it just like you know, it tackles those straight on. There's other things as well that um that that this that this show really is just like okay, let's like let's push the buttons of culture war here and you know make integrate this into the otherwise state procedural so that it feels edgier and it feels relevant and at times forced. Um, like Matt, like what are there some of the other like culture war things that I'm missing other well, than what I just regurgitated there? I mean, there there is a there there is a kind of a common like uh, a common thing at least to the first two episodes uh, that's a dynamic between the uh white male lead uh assistant district attorney and his junior colleague um you know who is played by uh who's a woman who's played by um I'm sorry I don't have the thing I 
I went to the IMDb page and it's all Jerry Orbach and Sam Waterston up at the top. <laughs> and these people have only done two episodes. They'd like be way, way, way down the scroll. I'm sorry. I don't know the actress names and I don't know the characters names. Uh, but, um, you know, his, his, uh, colleague who, Hugh Dancy and, Wait, are you talking about Scott Cameron Mannheim as the police detective? That's Cameron Mannheim, but no, yeah. the, the, the ADA, uh, who's Odelia Halevi. Odelia Halevi. Yes. Is, yeah. uh, so, so right. He has a, a junior colleague who's a woman of color who is like, you know, you know, uh, you can't, you know, buddy, you can't, uh, uh, like I don't know, you can't like go after the credibility of of people uh, with allegations of sexual assault anymore. That's just not what we do. And he's like, I'm I'm gruff. I'll do anything to uh, yeah. Again, in a very on the nose thing is like, you know, have you heard of the Me Too movement? It's a thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the, not that far. You know, off and the, and that stuff. like a, a little bit. I I thought it was it was particularly bad because it's like, well, we can't do this stuff anymore because you know you can't like attack the credibility of a sexual assault survivor on the stand because of the Me Too movement. No, 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 that's not why. You can't do it because it's a heinous thing to do and always was. <laughs> whether or not, uh, you know, there are there are uh, protesters. Whether or not there's there's like social pressure not to do it. It was always a terrible. Uh, it was always is a terrible thing to do i don't know i thought it was i mean i thought it was particular particularly cringy and like both the the um the prosecutor seems to be a really um kind of a, a terrible character whose job is uh the the hugh dancy character whose job is to like you know grumble about some 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 uh uh what would hamlet say some some craven scruple you know, um, to, to grumble about it. Like, uh, I don't want to, I want to practice clean law. I don't want to use this, uh, this confession that was obtained through deceit from the, uh, you know, by the police officers. Now, like, yes, that is a terrible practice. Uh, it, it is, uh, not, you know, the practice in every, developed countries criminal criminal justice system that you can just lie willy nilly to, to people in police custody. Um, you know, who are not represented by counsel and, you know, who are, I don't know, maybe, you know, comparatively disadvantaged at, you know, surviving an interrogation versus the police who do it for a living. Um, you know, yes, it's terrible practice, but then like the, the, it, this guy is, is like, ah, should I live in the, should I live in the world we live in or should I live in a better world that I'm going to dream into being? And it's kind of like that, yeah, bro, that's not law and order. That's not what yeah. this, that's not what this show is and kind of grafting that discussion onto it, whereby just kind of name checking it, you know, uh, you can kind of get, you can kind of get points. I, you know, one of our, one of our academic Academic colleagues, uh, a friend of ours, uh, who, whom I I won't name, um, just in case this is is sensitive, used to talk about the the politics of of citation and uh, in in giving uh, critique on on people's papers. Like a lot of it was, oh, I see you've chosen to cite so and so in your discussion of this, or I'm surprised that you haven't, you know, disingenuously, I'm surprised that you haven't cited so and so in your discussion of this, that, and that that this is how you know this is these are like the sick burns of academics. And I sort of I sort of wonder if there's a, a thing. 
like they're sort of citing the Me Too movement, you know, or citing defund the police or citing uh, and and like, you know, uh, misrepresenting both, I think, <laughs> pretty, pretty uh, thoroughly in in their discussion. They're, they're uh, citing the, uh, you know, um, the uh, bad treatment of minorities by various police forces, right? Like they're citing these things. And by doing that, you can sort of do old law and order, but I don't know, get out of the woods without, without a kind of more fundamental, um, more fundamental, uh, rethinking. I mean, I, I, I almost wish it, I don't know. I almost wish it were a little less, uh, uh, it were a, a little less apologetic because it leads to, it just leads to a weird, it leads to a weird feeling where there's this kind of play acting of, of a debate, uh, yeah. without, without actually having a debate. Yeah. And the other thing to add to this conversation as well is that like, um, in the year 2022, as we watch this 21st, you know, revival episode of, a revival season of law and order, we are many, many years into, um, you know, at the aforementioned peak, peak television and long form narrative TV, where our baseline expectation is that, like, you know, you're watching TV because it gives um, the opportunity to play out ideas and develop characters um, week after episode after, after episode after episode. Um, now, again, like that's not law and order. Right. Like the pleasure of it comes from, you know, the the repetition and the structure within it. Um, But like that's uh, that that fact still collides then with um, uh, ideas that are brought up and not fully developed and kind of like, you know, quickly uh, box checked as you go through the steps of of the ritual. Um, So like I don't say that to say like, you know, law and order can't that the structure of this procedural where you just kind of do the case of the week, like it, it just can't exist or that you can't um, bring up controversial things in it. It's just like, well, there's an elegant way and an elegant way of doing it. And this, these two episodes chose the inelegant ways. Yeah. I felt like there's a couple of things that I felt like were going on. And again, this is coming from a place of not being particularly knowledgeable about law and order in general. There seemed to be a couple of things going on that were interfering with what they were if not trying to do, then sort of a best case scenario of what they might be doing. Because when it started, to me, it felt like they were going to be doing a kind of platonic dialogue about these issues. They're going to have the two cops. They're going to go investigate something. They're going to have some sort of interaction that's going to trigger, you know, trigger quite literally the things everybody is tense about. And then the two cops will present different viewpoints on it, which will be both oversimplified and and we'll have a clear one that is more morally robust, but the one who is less morally robust won't be totally unsalvageable. And then you'll get a dialectic where you can kind of get arrive at what's going on. That don't, but that, that was sort of how they started the season. And, and that to me is like, okay, good. They figured out a way to deal with this, except they don't really follow through on it for the rest of the couple of episodes. So that's more me imagining, I suppose, what they could have done, which they didn't do. Um, but I, I would say that another Another part of it is that uh, other than just, you know, well, they didn't do what they could have done is that they uh, they didn't because the characters don't communicate anything about their personal lives in the show. uh, There's a double effect of one. Uh, this is the only they, they can't they don't care personally about any of these issues because they don't talk about anything that matters to them personally. Not really. I mean, that that one. uh the assistant DA does talk about her sexual assault, but it's only in the context of a case. So 
just by the pattern, I must assume that they don't really care about these things and they're only talking about them because they're necessary for their jobs, which is in and of itself painful and awkward, right? Even NCIS Los Angeles with Chris O'Donnell and LL Cool J, which I feel like was the last normal TV show we did a show on, you know, they they personified and, you know, added sympathy to the social issues that they were talking about. Um, and then the other side of it is that the people on the white side, the white male side of the dialectic, are uh, are are basically like being played like they have they have what I would call white actor in a James Baldwin play disease, right? Mm. It's like I know I'm the wrong in the wrong here, and I'm going to play my character who is in the wrong as a sort of service to the social uh, the social critique. But I'm going to slip in a little bit of kind of subtext, a little bit of interiority that tips my hat to you that I really feel this way. And I think this person is a jerk. And as such, the people come off as kind of caricatures or flats or uninteresting, um, which is weird because the guy from Burn Notice is pretty good at playing this kind of character. And I feel like he's totally hamstrung in the show. Which guy is that? Isn't that that the guy from Burn Notice? Yeah, that's Jeffrey Donovan. Yeah. Uh, his name is Michael Weston. He used okay. to be a spy until bring, got a burn notice on you. You're blacklisted. When you're burned, you've got nothing. Um, yeah, it's, it's that guy and he's doing an accent. And, and I think one of our, uh, one of our colleagues on overthinking it, uh, on our Slack said, uh, you know, hey, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like he's doing a Michael Weston bit in the, <laughs> you know, in the, um, the, the course of doing this. And he'll like pull off his mask and be, you know, I don't know, do a voiceover at the, at the end of it. But no, it's, uh, yeah, it is. I like, uh, I like white actor in a James Baldwin play disease, Pete. I think that's, I think that's, uh, a really good kind of, that's a really good kind of description of it. And it's, it's, yeah. it's a hard thing, you know, because no, oh, one, yeah. no one wants to be that. No one wants to do that. You also don't want to accidentally scarface it where it's like, you, you, <laughs> right? Like you don't want to go in there and, and like, like you have to believe as an actor that you're pretty charismatic, whether it's true or not, or else you wouldn't be in the business. It certainly doesn't pay well enough to not be in the business. If you don't believe in your own charisma. Um, so like if you were to go out there and play the character, just play the heck out of it, really commit to it, make it really fun and fascinating and interesting to watch. You don't want people sympathizing with you. That's not the point. You, you, but you need to be an obstacle for other people to overcome. Right. Um, which again, in the context of this show, is it really how they're presenting it? Right. Cause supposedly they have legitimate perspectives. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I hate to pull this, Matt, but maybe I should. You know Sam Waterston. Like, I mean, no I, is putting no is putting. You it strongly. worked with Sam Waterston once for a little while. I did. Yes, I spent I spent twelve weeks uh, yes. with with a Sam Waterston. That is twelve more weeks than either Peter or I have. Spent <laughs> and, he spent, and he and and let me tell you. Sorry, let me just tell you that man is a class act. Uh, oh yeah. The number the number of times he bought. Uh, not just a round of drinks, but our entire bar bill for the uh, for the actors in this not small cast play uh, that that we were all doing in Connecticut together was uh, th- that man is a class act. Let me tell you, and he committed social and political activist, I believe. Yeah, at the time right? he was in a. Um, at the time, well, it was, it was a different time. It was 15 years ago. The ACLU yeah. meant a different thing then than it than it seems to me now. But he was he was uh, uh, in a, um, a ad campaign for the ACLU, and uh, he he was talking about it because someone saw him him in a magazine. It was like, hey, Sam, you're you're in this campaign. He's like, uh, you know, with his with his eyebrow, the full you know the full stentorian weight of his eyebrows. You know, hmm, yes, I was very uh, I was very pleased that I I'm. 
I'm in that and, and Paul Newman is in that campaign as well. And to be able to stand alongside him is something I'm very proud to, to do. So he is, yeah, he is a committed and principled guy. And so he's not, he's not the guy, the, the character, um, on Law and Order. And I mean, I think there are a couple of, there are a couple of times over the course of the show where the character has done some, uh, you know, has, has done some like conservative thing, pulled some kind of conservative move that, that I think Mr. Watterson himself would be kind of horrified at. Yeah. More, more recently, he was one of when you might have heard, gosh, this was at this point two and a half years ago during the old Yale Harvard game when there was a protest on the field that disrupted the game as uh, protesters demanded that the school divest from fossil fuels, right? Um, Sam Washington was arrested. He was one of the people on the field out there, you know? So, like, and that's not, I'm not saying that he is any saintly at all. What I'm saying is that he is involved in and part of the culture of activism and the kind of platitudes that his character has to say in the show seem pained to me. They, they, it seems to me when I'm watching it, maybe that's just because of what I know about him, that he knows that he's not adequately addressing the topic, mm. but he's just such a pro that he's going to carry it through and say what he needs to say. Right. It's uh, it's tough. Right. It's real tough. Yeah. This is a typical this is a show that shows maybe maybe this is the uh, fallacy of imitative form here. Right. The point of the new law and order is that watching it lets you know how difficult law and order is in this day and age to make and how like, it feels like stilted. Lo- lo- lowercase law and order. Yeah, exactly. Like, uppercase law and order feels stilted and disingenu- you know, disingenuine or or uh, or painful or difficult or conflicted because it is in real life, too. That's why the show is awkward. Um, I mean, is the show awkward? Do you guys do you guys like? The yeah, show? no, no. It felt this these. Uh, yes, I do like the show. And these episodes did feel kind of pained. I think pained is a good is a good way of of putting it. Like Christina and I were watching it together. And at a couple of points, we were both like, uh, this feels icky, right? This doesn't you know, yeah. I don't know. This doesn't feel yeah. uh this doesn't feel good. I don't, you know, and, and I, and, and not, 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 not good in a good way, you know, like not where, not where the kind of, there is kind of an alienation effect that makes you realize your complicity in, you know, oppressive systems of, of, uh, no, poli- no, 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 policing no. or jurisprudence no. or, not like the what, shields. <laughs> yeah. Or the, or the wire or, yeah. you know, any of the, the shows, you know? Yeah. Um, that uh, it it doesn't. Wild bunch. Not the movie. <laughs> I, don't know. Well, I don't know why that one came to mind. I haven't even seen maybe, that. Maybe one. hey hey maybe, maybe this is the time to talk about like when Law and Order is good and why it works, right? Like um to me at least, and I, I'm not a super fan like you are, Matt. Matt of these, but like there was a stretch where my wife and I watched uh, a very large portion of the old. Law and Order episodes on Netflix. Well, that's, when they're about, available. that's about the level of super fan that I'm at. You know that that like we we watched them a lot. They they were on a lot though. They're I mean, on, like, yeah, yeah. Every it's, it's, every thirty seconds, an episode of Law and Order airs somewhere in the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. And and the pleasure comes from not just like the you know the form and the structure and the ritual like we were talking about before. It's like you know uh, being able to um, uh, have some relish in the legal maneuvering. That occurs, right? That you know, like uh, you know, prosecution does this move, and then defense counters with this, and then aha, prosecution pulls this out of their hat, and then oh, defense does this dastardly thing at the end, and just barely pulls out the um, um, the, the 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 acquittal, and you know, wins over the jury in that way. It's like that competitive fencing, intellectual fencing aspect, um, which I think is the is the show at its best, uh-huh. kind of the, like a, a puzzle almost that you kind of see being constructed and then deconstructed and put back together. Um, before your very eyes and um that i think all of the cultural baggage that we described before like really got in the way 
of that kind of that technical execution of the storytelling itself. Um, so that's that that's that's my take on it in terms of like you know what 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 really precisely at a execution to storytelling level what was the matter with these two episodes yeah it's it's almost as though it was a really good forum for trying to trying to consider abstractly um you know questions of questions of sort of right and wrong in the criminal justice system right and and Mm -hmm. that that I think like uh whatever else you want to say about the kind of developments about the the developments in the in social movements in the political situation it 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 does kind of give the lie to the idea that there's anything like objectivity in in you know the administration of of criminal justice and so the kind of like the idea of the like the philosopher kings like like Sam Waterston kind of you know sit, sitting his character Jack McCoy you know sitting and uh you know d- debating the nature the nature of the right you know well that 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 doesn't quite fly anymore for like, because the kind of the, the, I don't know, the technocratic nature of some of these, uh, uh, of some of these enterprises has kind of been, been brought to the fore. And, and to a certain extent, like we've, we kind of have, uh, we're at a cultural moment where we kind of don't divorce principles from personalities. Uh, we don't divorce principles from, from, uh, from people, you know, and that like, um, uh, the, because the idea that like, you know, the, the abstract justice, uh, the abstract justice that you get <laughs> dealt, you know, as a, as a 20 year old African American male is very different from the abstract justice that, that I would face. And like the, in uh, similar circumstances and, you know, anything that, that would treat it, um, you know, as the same or, you know, as even notionally the same, uh, is not, not really acceptable, um, anymore. And so you can't, you kind of can't, can't do those things, but, you know, but it it is, it is kind of unsatisfying to, to, I don't know, to cut the baby in, in half the way that they had cut the baby in half. God, someone call SVU. So, so, uh. <laughs> so what you're saying is that in past law and order, the energy of it, the place where I would say the teeth of the gears meet is in the conflict between the people who are trying to solve the case and like the lawyers who are trying to protect the the criminal or like the criminal who is in trouble, something along those lines. And so because that conflict, because here I didn't feel like there was a meaningful conflict in either of these episodes, really, because in both cases, the murderer was identified very quickly and it, and the things that happened were kind of perfunctory. It didn't really seem to affect things very much. No, yeah, there right? isn't. There isn't really a meaningful conflict, uh, and and I think that's sort of. I mean, I think that's sort of characteristic of the show. Though, though, sometimes in its best moments, what Marcus is kind of identifying is that there's a conflict of ideas. Like, there's a conflict of yeah. of like who I I don't know what it, sort of either what does this say about us or like uh, who do we want to be or like who's really to blame here or or something like that. Um, that that just doesn't seem to be it doesn't seem to translate to the to the, to the contemporary mormon i don't know mark did i misstate what what you were saying or did i get it mostly right no i think yeah yeah i, I yeah yes people want to defund the police <laughs> <laughs> but but because i i mean i do think that 
it is interesting that the problem becomes this becomes so focused on the political issues because there's so many other things that are weird about this show that would make those scenes very normal in another show. Like if they if that scene were happening between two sexy lawyers, then it would be fine. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just imagining the guy from like Human Target and or Heart is it Human Target and uh and like Rona Mitra in Boston Legal talking by the water cooler, right? And if they were talking about me too, it would work better because their aloofness about the subject matter would be reinforced by the fact that these are like dilettantes that don't really care about real problems, right? Or, or also by the fact that like we're building character or a kind of seeing perspective or even more than that, the idea that the characters have an interiority that contradicts what they're saying, which causes you to question and become interested in why they're saying what they're saying. Uh-huh. Whereas none of these characters have any interiority, it's more Shakespearean, and as such, you know, they say everything that they're thinking, and so therefore this must be what they really think. In which case, it's not interesting. There's no drama to it. It's just you know being said uh, in a perfunctory manner. But but I guess it's it's contextual, um, and I don't know. I don't know how much of that is context or not. It's uh, let, let me throw a, a controversial take. Okay, there. sexy lawyers are some... not good lawyers. There's the context <laughs> right there. <laughs> sexy, sexy lawyers should be only be sexually disbarred. Um, <laughs> the lack of character development is a feature, not a bug. Which right? means we it's can't like, have them talking about their deep, dark anxieties about the nature of their profession. Yeah, it's but, it's also it also means it's it's like very it's you know very deeply uncomfortable when you kind of uh, make one of the characters disclose something about a sexual assault in her past, like in order to. Uh, in order to win a case and, and treat it as though, right. The, and, and, you know, and treat it as though that sort of confers interiority, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like someone has right, interiority right, 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 for right. a minute uh, in order, you know, ad hoc to the particular needs to the particular need, the narrative needs. I don't know. That's, that's the uncomfortable thing. Like, Oh, Oh, time to put your, uh, time to put your inter- yeah. interiority costume oh. on. All right. No, now, now that scene's done. No more interiority for you. <laughs> yeah. Let me you contrast the, the, yes. Okay. Agreed that like that, you know, um, Oh my God, you'll be disrobed of, for this. Yeah. Don't you mean disbarred? No, disrobed. <laughs> We're sexy lawyers. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to contrast this with a show that my wife was watching um, that was all about characters and interiority, which was um, this is like a, a near total non non sequitur, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Uh, the White Lotus. Huh. You guys are familiar with this? Yes. It's like it's a it's a sexy drama um, in a sexy uh, resort where sexy people have sexy problems. Um, and I'm, as I'm, I'm watching bits and pieces of this with her and it's like, oh, this is just like not the show that I like type of show that i like at all uh-huh. uh because it's like too much about you know icky people and their problems whereas law and order is like well you got a dead body and then you have um mechanical uh lawyers fencing <laughs> fencing out their strategies right this, like, this i'm down with there is kind of a there is kind of a you want me on that wall you need me on that wall aspect to it like the the opening voiceover is in the criminal justice system yeah. the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups the district uh, the police who investigate crimes and the district uh, district attorneys who prosecute the offenders uh, these these are their stories and that is an interesting I mean that's an interesting little preamble to the show right like so so the people are are represented like these these are are, these are your your guys, you know. This these are the people who are wor- who are sort of working on your behalf in some uh, in some way. Yeah, they're um, working on our behalf, not their own behalf. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's, that, that is, I think, actually part of the, uh, that's interesting. That's, that's part of the, um, the procedural aspect of it. Like, you know, they don't, uh, they don't, um, they don't have interiority because they're just, they're, they're doing their duty. You know, they're, they're just, uh, uh, performing, um, you know, I don't know, performing, uh, necessary tasks, uh, necessary for the, the functioning of society. Um, and then it, it is weird. It's just always struck me as such a weird, um, echoing of the, you know, the legal formulation, the segregation legal for formulation, sec- separate, but equal. Um, the police are represented by two or the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. It's just too, I don't know. It's just a little too close. And I've never been able to kind of like develop a theory as to why other than, I guess it sounds kind of legally, you know, to to say that because it it is from legal language, I suppose, but it, it's not. I don't know. It engages a it engages a discourse that I think is not uh, uh, appropriate to the the subject matter of the show, nor is it particularly, um, you know, nor is it particularly sexy. fun or <laughs> nor is it particularly sexy. Teddy Crane. You know, I don't know. I just uh, it's it's really subjective. What's what's sexy? I don't know. Maybe it's maybe, true. You know, it's, who's the sexiest lawyer in of all lawyers ever? Is it Judge Ito? W- William Jennings <laughs> Bryan. Judge. There we go. No, I mean, why am I? Why am I so? Why I want to say why am I so stupid? Like, why am Darrow. I so petty? Right? Like why? Why is it that when I watch this show, Atticus it's Finch? Like, none of these people are doing anything. Fun. Was are there ever action scenes in this show? That was the other thing I was thinking because I was comparing and contrasting this in my head with again the last normal show we watched, which was NCIS Los Angeles, which was several years ago at this point, and uh, and, and it made me think like, oh yeah, but that show also had giant gunfights, right? Like like it was a police procedural, but then it was like a it ended with what would be like the largest police shootout that had happened in that city in its history every week. Right. Like something along those lines. Um, NCIS Los Angeles. Pshaw. No, not Los Angeles. That's true. It'd have to be NCIS like uh, something else. That's true. They have lots of big shootouts. Maybe that's the point. We call that Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you remember there was that horrible, horrible tragedy where there was a shooting in New York City and a bunch of police hit a bunch of random people because they didn't their their guns had such tight triggers that they hadn't practiced using them, right? And they were twerking their guns to the side while they were shooting them because, you know, there's a difference between Los Angeles and New York in terms of how likely the police are to shoot you. Um, and maybe that is that, is that account for the difference between, is, did, in Law & Order LA, were they shooting people more often? Or I'm, I'm assume not. Um, no, I mean, that's a little I mean, dark. They're, but, they're, but these are detectives, you know what I mean? These are these yeah. are not people who are who are necessarily responding to, you know, I don't know, like uh, circumstances, like what what things, what is, what is the term in progress? Like, you know, situation in progress. Yeah. Any kind of yeah. any kind of like imminently violent thing. They're, you know, going around asking questions. Now, sometimes around the the capture of a suspect, there will be. Uh, there will be some something resembling an action scene, but it it usually centers around the drama of like a portly detective trying to run. Right. Yes, I remember <laughs> yes, that. Yes, yes. I remember like Jerry Orbach climbing through a fire escape or something. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah, uh, yeah. and every so often that every so often that happens, and like you know the the uh, every time it happens, I think, man, you are wearing the wrong shoes for this. 
you know, these leather but, but soles. Also, like again, so like kind of the, the the pleasure of watching this. Like, um, oftentimes, like if if uh, someone that the the police are questioning tries to run, um, you know, it, it's that's the obvious thing would be like, oh yeah, that's the person who did it. It's like no, sometimes it's yeah. not. It's like it's like it becomes this like obvious surprise that like as you're you know again as you're. Uh, pulling the puzzle apart and putting it back together, like you know, you, you get some pleasure out of it. And that might have been a simple puzzle to, to solve, but you still you get credit for it anyway. Yeah, and like, uh, oh no, I ran because I thought you were a bill collector or something like yes, that. Yes, you yeah, know, absolutely that. Yeah, and that's you know the sort of uh, yeah, that's part of the the fun of it, the kind of the banal. You know the the way something that seems to be significant can be um can can turn banal. Like there was a terrible misdirect in this, like where where it was not even a misdirect. It was so bad where where um you know oh the uh the CTO of the of fake Elizabeth Holmes's company like uh was seen putting uh someone phoned in a police report and they saw him in his blue tesla putting a uh <laughs> you know putting a gun in the sewer or something like that and it's like this why this isn't even a good red herring you know guys why are you why are you doing this this is this the, you could you could do so much better or like uh you know i don't know the the um the person who was d- d- defrauded by the they were uh, fake cancer screening uh, tests, not not fake blood tests, but fake, uh, um, you know, de- early detection of cancer tests, and the the father of the, uh, not father, the husband of the um, uh, of the of a woman who had been uh, defrauded by these and had had been led to, you know, I don't know, ignore her cancer to bad bad consequences. Like, oh, he seems pretty angry. It's like he he's not the he's not the the perpetrator. This is Act Two of yeah. this. <laughs> You know, like, and, and, but that, that sort of, I don't know. There's something, there's something kind of, there's, there's a kind of attraction to how they can't get meta with it. You know, like it's against the, it would be against the show's DNA to be like, oh, you're the most famous co-star. You're obviously the murderer. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that like, that, that they just do that and they, they kind of have to do it and kind of, uh, you know, act with, act with sincere belief every time. And that's, and, and that's, that's why I think Pete, you, you're identifying the, the, uh, the white character in a James Baldwin play problem. Like the idea that the belief is not actually sincere. That, that's a serious, um, you know, that's a serious offense. That's a serious kind of, uh, break, uh, in the kayfabe of this, uh, uh, you know, of this kind of law and order, uh, law and order wrestling match that, that they do every week, uh, for 20 years and now apparently do again. Yeah. It's interesting, right? It's, um, it, cause I remember whenever anybody talks about law and order, there's a few things that they talk about. And one of them is this sense of both. There's a joy in the frustration that the person they're presenting as the culprit isn't really the culprit. And there's going to be some sort of twist and it's going to be somebody else who's really obvious, but it's going to be somebody different than who you thought it was. And I didn't feel like this did that at all. So I was, I was glad to hear that it's not just that, um, law and order never does this. It's that like this law and order just didn't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I don't want to bash it. It's just, 
it was it was interesting as a sort of architectural and historical document. Man, what a what a wonderful place for a TV show. <laughs> it, was a, it was a fascinating architectural and historical document. It Why did they do this? Is my question. Great, That's my great anthropological interest because uh, because commercial television is dying and they'll really try anything. Right. You remember the scene in 30 Rock where Jack Donaghy shows up a sign that says that one of his key strategies is make it 1998 again through science and or magic? <laughs> yeah, basically that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, but that's actually brings something uh, – you almost like in in very in passing referred to uh, this and uh, what what was the other show? NCIS? NCIS. NCIS as a quote-unquote – We did a nor- podcast nor- episode about NCIS Los Angeles a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you refer to them as quote-unquote normal. Yes, right? but I would challenge that, right? I think the norm now is, you know, um, narrative uh, as opposed to um, uh, procedural, right? Like, now that's of course is like, you know, um, dictated by our uh, our particular demographic and what we watch um, right. and what commands the most uh, attention uh, in the the, 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 yeah. the the media. Do you know what real people like? Do you know what real Americans like? I mean, have you ever seen Blue Bloods? Mark, have you ever, have you ever seen I Tom? I say TikTok. They're all on TikTok. They're not watching TV anymore. Have you Tom Selleck in Blue Blood? No, no one's watching. Yeah, exactly. No one's watching. T- but if yeah, you're on, so, if so you're on TV, yeah, there's, so there's it's two different like, definitions you know, of normal. Yeah, I mean, like there's like you know, the, like. The, the, yeah, the, the television that is uh, you know linear and has lots and lots of pharmacy. Oh, that's something else that I wanted to talk about as well, which is a hilarious juxtaposition um, uh, of the ads, particularly in the second. Yeah. In the second episode that I saw, um, because I think we all saw this in you know some streaming service that uh, served ads, and like if you see it on Peacock or the NBC app, it, it gives you copious, copious ads and the same damn things over and over again. And the one where uh, the second one where the show is by and large about you know Theranos, right, the kind of a, a sham uh, healthcare company and technology, I was bombarded with these ads from Johnson and Johnson about how they're going to cure cancer, <laughs> make everyone <laughs> oh, healthy. <God>. Like, oh. <laughs> Oh, this is terrible. Oof. Maybe they will, though. Wouldn't that be great? Chunk chunk. <laughs> it's a different show. That's that's more house. Uh, <laughs> Let's hope the cure isn't worse than the disease. Chunk chunk. <laughs> I, I would call it moderate. I would call it like a moderate Caruso factor. You know, okay. Um, on uh, on Law and Order, that they did pioneer it. You know, and it it had to do with like the grizzled sort of hard boiledness of it, of how kind of disaffected the uh, all the de- detectives were by the you know gruesome violence that they were a part of or not a part of that they were witness to uh you know in the course of doing their jobs um and the 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 sort of you know i don't know the strong stomach that they all developed from from doing that and that was the that's where the the like the professional gallows humor um came in uh and that like uh you know i don't know it uh until vincent d'onofrio man and then he was just so uh, idiosyncratic he was just so idiosyncratic all the time you know it's so so wonderful man vincent d'onofrio was what's what's better than watching vincent d'onofrio be vincent d'onofrio only Vincent D'Onofrio being an alien. <laughs> the, oh man, the way he the way he, he contorted his limbs around in, in that first Men in Black movie, you know. Oh yeah, yep. There it is. There it is. No, I meant his when he's on like a television interview. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I like I, he has great performances. He's super great. He's I was it's man, he could they are they gonna at some point have they done big crossovers where the different characters from the different law and orders all show up and like take on the same case together? Yes. They're they're yeah. doing that they're doing that now between uh between SVU and the Chris Maloney one. Chris Maloney has come back um and he's not doing SVU, but he's doing uh uh one that they're calling organized crime, which is like a mob huh. story. Gotcha. Uh, you know, and the last, uh, the last I saw that like, uh, his, his, uh, character's mother played by Ellen Burstyn was in a basement somewhere <laughs> having been kidnapped by the the mob. And it was like, Oh, detective Stabler, come find me. It's like Ellen Burt. You can't do that to Ellen Burstyn to, to national treasure. Ellen Burstyn. You, no one puts Ellen in a basement. <laughs> so, okay. I have a question about law and order for both of you guys while we're, while we're, Moving onward towards the inevitable and predictable end of our podcast, uh, like a Law and Order episode, is it just me? Is it is it is it a topic in general that Law and Order are sort of chiasmatic in the title and are perhaps misassigned? Is that a thing that people talk about? Yes. How like yeah okay. What's the prevailing like? Can you give me the dramaturgy on that? Well, I mean, if they were chiasmatic, they they would not be misassigned, right? Because right, Law right. is the uh, Law is the second. Is the law is the first element in the in the you know uh, phrase, but the second element in the show, and right. order is the first element in the uh, in the phrase uh, is the second element in the phrase, but the first element in the show. That is to say, the police represent uh, order, and the district attorneys represent law. But what if not? Well, right? okay, but in the in the intro, yeah. I'm gonna like play the intro a little briefly here. Um, I'm watching the intro from this show. When is it going to say law and order? In the criminal justice system, the police are represented by two separate yet equally important yeah. groups. And it goes – and then it kind of like – it uh, from a blur, I think, or maybe it fades up with light uh, or something. Uh, the district – the police who investigate uh, crimes in the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders, these are their stories. Uh, yeah. And then by that, it's like this reveal of law and uh, law. Yeah, and but order. they reveal law as the police. They do law, and then you see the police, and then they do order, and you see all the district attorneys. They don't come up together? They come up separately? No, That's... they do one, and then they do the casts, because oh, it's interesting. the first half of the show and the second half of the show. And furthermore, the law part of the title is in oh, blue. Oh, in the title. the order part is in red. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. got it. In the, in the, yeah. Interesting. I was watching that, and I was thinking, like, how, how outdated that whole visual language is because it's like it's like newsprint and microfilm or something yeah, the, the yeah, kind yeah. of the collage look of the uh of the law and order titles okay in the titles not in the not in the the the, the like the cold open um yeah. got it so yeah so i feel like in the titles you would you would think that the law would be the lawyers and the order would be the police but the law are the police and the order which makes sense i guess because you know you hear what law lawman i guess is a is a is a, essentially a cop and order in the court sure but yeah I, or i'm going to i'm going to sick the law on you or something yeah, like that yeah but at know? the same time it's like you know order it seems to me like they have the opposite function that that uh even though i can see why they would see it this way uh it seems to me like the constabulary is more concerned with the public order and the uh the the courts are more concerned with the law um but I, I, I am, I'm just curious if this is something that a lot of older people talk about when they watch the show or whether they're mostly just talking about their diabetes medication. 
Uh, (laughs) 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 Sorry, that was mean and rude. No, it wasn't. It's it's, they're talking about their their scooters. No, it's uh, I love the prices. Right. Don't get me wrong. And I've watched a lot of it when I was on paternity leave during covid. I watched a lot of daytime television. I saw a lot of pharmaceutical ads. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) It's uh, so, you know, and thank thank you, all those pharmaceutical companies for paying for my uh, Wayne Brady. Let's make a deal (laughs) while I was like bleary eyed and delirious holding a newborn baby (laughs) in a pandemic. And it's like, oh, it's it's Wayne Brady, guys. He's back. Any uh, (laughs) any family feud, any uh, Steve Harvey family feud oh let me tell you about this okay so here's the thing right I, family feud i love family feud loved it since i was three years old i used to call it fam food fam food uh i love that whenever we would go to the uh the the baby doctor right and this is maybe pulling back the curtain a little too much whenever we go to the baby doctor when we're having a baby uh there would be a big tv in the waiting room and it was always steve harvey it was either the Steve Harvey show or Steve Harvey on Family Feud most of the time, probably because of the time that we were going. Um, and and now whenever I go into a waiting room and it's not Steve Harvey, I like audibly grumble so that everyone around me hears it. But I was like, what, what's the point of having a TV in a waiting room if it's not Steve Harvey? Like, what's the point? Right? Like, oh, they're showing some third rate home renovation show that they're getting off of some TV broadcast channel, you know, digital broadcast channel no one ever heard of. It's not like it's, you know, Love It or Listed or something. It's like some bootleg thing. Um, it could be Steve Harvey up there. I mean, I was I talking to you guys about how on New Year's Eve I was like scrambling with the Fox Now app because my it, my digital antenna wasn't picking up the Steve Harvey uh, New Year's Eve show. I was the only one awake in my house. Everyone else was asleep. <laughs> and it's like, OK, I want to watch Times Square, but I want to watch Steve Harvey. And not because I agree with everything he says or think that necessarily he's an especially admirable person, um, but there's just something about semi-compulsory television that, for me, like really screams Steve Harvey. <laughs> and uh, he's, Steve Harvey is the most normal television. To um, I mean, use your yeah. phrase there. If he were looking yeah. at you, he would wait, raise his eyebrows and go, "Oh, really? Oh, okay. Is that what you're saying about me now? Most normal. See it on the board." Um, anyway, so yes. <laughs> 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 anyway, sorry. I, the point is that waiting room television still needs to happen, and I'm noticing that the waiting rooms are given up way before the television is given up. There's new Law and Order on here, people. There's all sorts of things you can have Steve Harvey on about. If your waiting room is showing trash. And then you need to get with the program because people, all of the NYU Tisch graduates are working very hard to provide you with quality waiting room entertainment. All right. So you better get on that and respect the hustle. Get some law and order up on that television. (laughs) Employ some. What do you think people go to Juilliard for? Right. It's, It's not to not be on TV in a waiting room. Follow your dreams. You can reach your goals. Beefcake. Uh, that's the wrong show. It's, yep. <laughs> I, I I do know some Juilliard trained actors who have been on. You know, who have done yeah. law. Like it was a very big deal to do Law and Order. You yeah. Know, you, you're not going to get your health insurance from that one job, but you know, you're, it's good for. Uh, it gets you close. Um, anyway, it's the most mentioned show in Playbill for a reason, right? I, I'm just making that up. I don't know if that's true, but I would assume so that like people cite law and order more often than any other television. Oh, show. Yeah. It's so people worked on it so often that they had to like create rules where like a certain number of years have passed before you could come back <laughs> on like one, one particular flavor of law and order and the casting, you know, the casting offices would like then let you come back and, you know, I don't know, play a, play a barista or something and pay, pay your rent for a month. You know, that's, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a real thing. 
Um, I, That's I, a show I want to watch. I want to watch the reality show about being on Law and Order. Make, there, get on that Law and Order, Law and Order. <laughs> what would they call it? I don't know. A fictionalized reality show like Extras about being on Law and Order in New York City. I think they did. I think either SNL or something. Already? I think, I, yeah, yeah I seem to remember Amy Poehler doing it. And the premise was that she was an acting coach who taught people how to be on Law and Order. Like, how, <laughs> how are you going to play a, a trash collector, you know, who's like giving crucial plot exposition <laughs> at the same time as you're, lo- you know, loading trash into a, into a truck that's moving, you know, slowly at, at, Five miles an hour or something with, like with a very thick Outerboro accent. With, yeah, exactly. Hey, <laughs> you know, I called him guy because he was like a guy to me. Thunk goes <laughs> the trash. <laughs> I wouldn't say I knew him particularly well. I only knew that he was five ten, a hundred and sixty five pounds, had sandy blonde hair, blue eyes, and always wore a Knicks jersey for some reason. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, that's. A- Bong. <laughs> uh, that would be the reboot. I hope the, I hope the reboot goes deep in on the Knicks. That would be great. We just get some bing bong on Law and Order to match the bong jong. We've, you know, there's never been an alignment of these two things ever before. So it's this is the time. This is the time. We've uh, we've I think come to the inevitable end of our podcast we, discussion. The jury find this podcast guilty <laughs> being awesome <laughs> of being sexy sexy lawyers sexy podcasters all right that's definitely the time to, to pull the ripcord thank you for listening ladies and gentlemen of the jury thank you for listening to our podcast about law and order pete and mark thank you for uh thank you for your service here on this panel <laughs> on this panel uh the the court discharges you uh and you are uh free of free of other obligations until you get the summons to podcast again <laughs> next week until next week visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve, deserve.